welcome back to Family Law and More. I'm Isabel Hawkins. I'm Bella Tate. And I'm Lisa Edmonds. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to be kickstarting our five-part pupillage prep series. And this first episode is going to be focusing on everything you need to know about becoming a family law barrister at the self-employed bar. I'm so excited about this series. I think it's <laughs> going to be really good. I think it was your idea, actually. <laughs> I think it might have been. <laughs> I just know that when I was applying for pupillage, I used all these sort of resources. So I'm really excited to be able to make some that I think people might be yeah. might find useful. So coming to you. The family law bar can be somewhat of a different journey than it is other areas of law. So Lisa, I don't know if you might be able to sort of walk us through how you became a family law barrister, education to sort of professional. Yeah, so very quickly, I suppose, quite traditional school, A-levels, uni, bar school, fortunate to get pupillage first time round. That was in a chambers over in Chester did what we would call a common law pupillage. So mixed bag of crime, family and civil was successful in that. So I stayed um, in those chambers for five years and during those five years continued to have a mixed practice, predominantly doing more crime and family, but quickly identified that there was a tension in the the diary. Um, you know, You couldn't mm. be in two places at any one time. So a decision had to be made and gravitated to family um, sort of five years in and and never looked back. Why do you think you gravitated towards family over crime? Um, I think there's probably a few reasons. I think there's definitely a greater vocation in family law for me anyway. I think there's probably some personal connection. Mm -hmm. I think that's quite common with family law practitioners So sort of my parents divorced, had tricky parental relationships, tricky sibling relationships, and the cycles continued. I've (laughs) been divorced and had, you know, tricky issues with my children. So you definitely connect to the topic. Mm -hmm. I think you definitely relate to the client. And the work is challenging. It's varied. You're engaging with different key stakeholders day in, day out. And, you know, some people think it's a dirty word, but at the time, remuneration was an issue. That was when lots of changes started to come in, in terms of how criminal barristers were being paid. Mm. Still a problem today. Yeah, you know, I think it would be dishonest if I said that wasn't Mm -hmm. a factor. It wasn't the predominant factor, Mm -hmm. but definitely something that went into the the balance. Mm -hmm. What about you, Isabel? Well... I'm the same, really. I think it's working with all of the different people. I knew that I wanted to work with people, not with sort of big corporations or big businesses. I wanted to work with normal people and mm-hmm. try and help them. So for me, it was always going to be family or crime, I think. And it is that varied nature of family that I really do love. And I think that's why I've stayed. I w- I've never practiced in crime, though, but I do think I would I would like Mm -hmm. A bit of crime. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's quite similar, I think, in a lot of ways. The way that you approach criminal cases, finding a fact, so basically trials. And that's what we do. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'd like to share with the listeners something that I'm super proud of in terms of an event that we run here from Unit Chambers. And that's the School of Court Mini Pupillage Insight Day that we run every November. And this year we have our Insight Day in four days time. So the team is busy getting ready for that. And that's an opportunity for people, individuals, wherever they're at in 
their stage of career or professional development, but have an eye on maybe coming into the profession as a family law barrister to come and join us for the day. It's on a Saturday, so try and remove those outside pressures that are often created during the working week. We as a team get to come in and be relaxed and importantly to be ourselves and we deliver a varied programme on that day where we get to walk through in real life really what, what it's like to be a family law barrister and how to get to that point and then how to hopefully make a success of it and balance a successful profession alongside a really happy and healthy life outside of work. And I think both Isabel and Bella, you've contributed to the Insight Days previous and I think you're both rocking up in four days time. But what's been your sort of takeaways from from that event? Well, I actually went to that event before I got pupillage. So for any, you know, aspiring barristers out there that are really interested in family law and maybe interested in unit chambers, I highly recommend that you attend the event next year because I think probably our application window has already closed for the for the event in four days and we have in most years been fully booked. So I would recommend people attending. And I, for me, it was really helpful. I, I knew I wanted to do family law. I, I knew before I did the GDL, I knew I wanted to do family law. So it was more for me meeting the people, seeing what chambers was like and it was really good because we got to do some exercises and get some feedback and, you know, do some group work. And I thought that was really good. But I think the primary reason why those events are so helpful is that you can see what Chambers is like. And I think when you're trying to get pupillage, a really good way of framing it as opposed to, oh my God, I'm sort of desperate for pupillage is where do I want to work? And that can be a healthier way of framing the, you know, the scary question of where does it want to be? Because then you're sort of going and you're scoping it out yourself. So that I thought was like the primary reason why I wanted to go. And obviously I applied, so I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it worked. Yeah, and I was sort of helping out on that day when Bella attended. Oh yeah, you um, were. <laughs> yeah, and a few, I think a few of our pupils, I, I know Adam was there. Mm -hmm. um, Adam and I were paired up together actually yeah, on the first oh, exercise, really? which is very kismet because now, <laughs> now we're both pupils together here. There was, there was a few people there actually who are now um, members of Chambers and it was, they're great events. I think as an attendee, not that I've, I've been one, but I imagine it's as Bella's identified great to just see members of chambers sort of in a more relaxed environment, but not in court, sort of in their own clothes, yeah. you know, a <laughs> bit more relaxed, a bit more casual, yeah. talking about just what their day-to-day -day experience is, is like in chambers and as a barrister. So I think it's a fantastic insight, not only to unit as a specific set, but also just to the, to the family bar. Mm -hmm. I think what I really enjoyed last year, and I think, you know, most people that attended enjoyed, and it's something that Hannah and Ash came up with, and they're the guys on, on our support team, which was an anonymous question box. And when people arrived, they had the option of almost going into like a little voting booth and <laughs> scribbling their question and putting it in the box. And we almost like sat around the campfire in the afternoon and mm -hmm. had the box in the middle and we just pulled each question out and had really honest answers. And I found that really refreshing. And I think um, in terms of feedback that we got from some of the um, attendees, they they found that really insightful and something really different in a positive way as an experience coming into 
what must be you know a scary environment Mm -hmm. when you're at that stage in your career so I'm looking forward to repeating that in four days time seeing if we get any really funny questions (laughs) yeah well I think the funniest one last year was which judge do you have a crush on (laughs) (laughs) so it was Chatham House rules obviously (laughs) obviously yeah people know who my guilty pleasure is (laughs) so next (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm blushing (laughs) So in (laughs) terms, all right. So in terms of pupillage at unit chambers, the sort of structure—I think pupillage structure changes chambers to chambers. But what it's like here, I'm just about to finish my second six, so I've now experienced almost all of pupillage here at unit chambers. And so obviously, first six, you are shadowing people. You are—I mean, I was drafting documents from day one. We draft orders for the cases that we're on. We do attendance notes. Obviously the barrister we're with checks them and you learn so much and it's really fast paced. So you have to sort of get your head around it quite quickly, but it, you also get a lot of feedback and that's really helpful early on. I've spoken to other pupils at different chambers who said another family of people who said she'd only, she hadn't drafted like more than two orders or something when she went on her feet. And I think I must've drafted like two on day one. Yeah, literally <laughs> so many. So it was really good practice for when you get on your feet. And we also had, I think they were monthly check-ins with a supervisor and the support team to sort of say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Would you like to go with different people? What do you want to see? What have you seen? What have you done? What is there left to check off? And we do have a list of sort of areas that we want to check off in first six to make sure you see what you want to be seeing and you're putting yourself out to the, the areas of law that you want to be practicing. And in particular, I sort of gave, we gave some feedback that we wanted to be going on some more junior briefs. So things that we would be taking on ourselves, non-molestation orders, simple private law, that sort of thing. So towards the end of my first six, I was going on those sort of cases, which was really helpful. And during first six also, we do a pupillage diary. Did you do that as well, Isabel? Oh gosh. (laughs) I did. So glad I didn't have to do it in my second six. I was so glad I didn't have to do it in my second six. (laughs) The diary is just sort of a daily, we send it weekly to supervisor and to the support team. And it says, you know, what have I done this week? What have I learned this week? And I think it's a really good reflection tool and learning tool. But when you get on your feet, second six, it would be a lot to ask to be trying yeah, to fill that just in. Too busy yeah. by that point. Yeah. yeah. And from, and I know that Lisa, you quite like receiving them, don't you? <laughs> it's the highlight of my Sunday night. <laughs> Reading them. Reading them. And then when you get into second six, you, you are on your feet, you're going for it. And again, you do have the option of um, having meetings to sort of check in with the clerking team to see what you're getting, what you want. And it's very fast paced. So it's also, it's spacing yourself out and figuring out how many hearings you want to have. And at unit chambers, we're really on the clerking team, super understanding about, I only want to do two or three hearings every week when I get started, because that's the pace I want to go or whatever pace you want to go, they'll listen and take that on. So I think that's been one of the best things about the clerking team is that they will listen And I know at other sets, sometimes juniors will have like four or five briefs in a day and they don't really have another option. That's just sort of what's get landed on them. And that doesn't happen here. So that's been a really good second six experience for me as well. Yeah, Isabel, did you have any sort of, when you moved from first six to second six, did you have any sort of expectations of how you wanted to have your practice initially? And has that changed the more senior you are? 
Yeah, it has actually. I think there are certain things that you're, you are academically drawn to and you find them interesting topics to read about and to hear anecdotes about, but in terms of practice, they're not necessarily the route you want to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think initially I, I was really interested in sort of international private law, mm-hmm. which again, academically and sort of reading about it, that interest is still very much there. But because I haven't done that much of it, mm-hmm. it's sort of on the back burner right now. And in fact, what I've done most of is public children work. And that seems to be where my main passion lies, I suppose, representing parents in public law proceedings. Mm -hmm. But I I equally do a lot of private law as well. But it is interesting how you think your practice is is going to look after, say, a year of being on your feet. And it's, it's very rarely how it turns out, I think. And I also don't necessarily think it's advisable to try and pigeonhole or specialize yourself Mm -hmm. too early on I think you need to learn the ropes I think you need to do a a wide breadth of different types of cases so that you can learn the basics and you specialize later on in your career is my view anyway and we're just going to take a quick break now before we hear from Lisa about moving from pupillage to becoming a self-employed barrister Coming up next time on Family Law and More, Bella, Isabel and Fiona will be discussing building resilience within our pupillage preparation series. So we've gone from nappies to pull-ups and we're now (laughs) fully potty trained and we're starting out as a fully fledged self-employed family law barrister. So I think it is still a transition and it's one that still requires communication with the team about pace and about support because for me I don't think it's advisable to go cold turkey. You've had 12 months of certainly here I hope a really nurturing and supportive environment and don't want that to just be cut off. So it's always just having those discussions about what you need and making sure the people around you are listening and making that happen. But obviously you are on your own two feet, you become completely responsible for your work, both in the courtroom and importantly, outside of the courtroom. And you both will know that the two things I go on about the most is relationships and communication. And definitely communication is key to having those healthy relationships. So you can have a full day in the courtroom, but you've got to then sit down at the desk with your laptop, communicate to your team about what's happened on that case, communicate with your team about tomorrow's case or even the case the following week, as well as all the other stuff that goes on. So early doors, you need to be developing those good habits that underpin good relationships and critical communication And that really is time management in my view and something, again, that we try and help pupils with in that 12-month period, learning their own independent skills to manage time. So it doesn't compromise your time away from work, that you still have downtime, family time, and certainly to avoid any burnout. I think the other thing that's really important 
and I say it now sort of 22 years in and and paying the price, is about financial planning because you're self-employed and with that comes massive responsibility. And you've got to learn how to manage your finances, manage your accounts to make sure you're paying your taxes, your VAT on time, but also about planning for the future. So whether it's getting yourself in a secure position to be fortunate enough to purchase a property or even looking beyond that and pension planning. And we had someone in, didn't we, just Mm. before the summer to give you guys some insight and structure around that. And the figures that he gave were really interesting because if, as you start out, you can make that early commitment to your pension planning scheme, it's relatively low level compared to if you do what I did and left (laughs) it until, you know, like 18 years in. And it just then becomes not unmanageable, but it's not healthy. It's Mm. not a pressure that you want at that point. So we're going to get told off for having now divulged too much sort of personal (laughs) information. But I do that, um, I hope, in a helpful way that I think that is a a really important component of how to prepare for your early years as a self-employed practitioner. Yeah, I think that that's really important advice. And it's also quite a big a change when you have to start managing all of mm-hmm. those financial responsibilities. It's terrifying. It is <laughs> because you, you know, you have to move all this money and all these different mm-hmm. accounts to make mm-hmm. sure that you've got enough in the tax account and you're not yeah. paying yourself too much. And yeah. that's quite an adjustment. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably something that's not spoke about enough, actually, when you're going on your feet. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that this chambers did a really good job of talking about it. So I felt very comfortable asking people like, you know, how many bank accounts do you have? You know, how do you use it? What percentage do you save for tax? And there's a really open dialogue, which was really helpful. But yeah, definitely in preparing for life as a self-employed barrister, understanding all these things is really hard. Like I am not very into numbers. That's not something I love. I, I, not to say that I haven't had to to do it, but it's not something that I find super comfortable. And so having to be self-employed and all the forms that go along with that and registering for VAT Mm. and all these things that you, you know, it's just sort of administrative gobbledygook initially, and then you have to get your head around it and and asking questions and, and, and all those things I think is really important and doing it early so that you can get a really good practice going to understand it. Because being self-employed, you are a business. It's not just that we're barristers and we're doing all these complex legal things. We are also a mini business. So having an accountant, if that's what you choose to do and knowing when the dates are and everything else is really important. And I think that is something that happens very well here is that I do feel like I can ask those questions. And at that mini pupillage insight day, one of the questions was how much does a family law barrister make? Yeah. Which, and the answer is, it entirely depends, <laughs> but it was a really open conversation about remuneration, which again, I think doesn't happen very often. And it will depend on the type of work you want to do. If you're taking on legal aid, much more than private paying, local authority, all that sort of stuff, those questions should be asked. So, you know, come to our insight day and you can ask all those questions. <laughs> I think the other thing, sorry, Isabel, that I'd also just throw into the mix is again, coming down to time management, making sure you manage your diary. And I think it's really important when you're starting out to block a day out of your diary once a month or how often you might require it to do all that admin so it's not left until the last minute Mm -hmm. and it then becomes an overwhelming exercise. 
And also to take time out for reflective learning, because one of the things we champion in this profession is that we never stop learning. Mm -hmm. But if you're always going at speed, you know, jumping from one case to another, you miss those opportunities to capture um, learning moments and register them for the next occasion. Mm. So, um, yeah, I would also throw that into the mix. And I think it's also worth saying that no matter what set or chambers you end up in, Certainly here on the Northern Circuit, they organise pupils' days Mm -hmm. where they will invite an accountant, Mm -hmm. they'll invite a senior clerk from a chambers, and they give you sort of the insider, well, tips, I suppose, about pensions and tax and what clerks will expect and things like that that you might not get within chambers. Mm -hmm. So... And I'm, I'm sure that that will, well, I hope that that will be the same on the other circuits as well, but certainly on the, the Northern Circuit. Northern Circuit's the best, so yeah. that'll be why. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And there's, you know, a good bunch of silks that take the lead in that and, yeah. and make these yeah. things happen and develop those connections. So again, it doesn't matter which chambers you're in, we are a community and we've got to be there for one another. Mm. And that's something that's really promoted. So yeah, I think we should be really proud of that. Great. Well... So that was our little episode as an intro for people that are applying for pupillage, just to give you a little bit of insider information about being a family law barrister, the different routes that people take and being a family law barrister specifically at unit chambers, what pupillage is like and how one might transition from being a pupil to being a fully blown self-employed barrister. So thank you. And I hope that that was a helpful insights for everybody. Yes. And we have got further episodes coming up on pupillage prep. Um, focused on things like mental resilience, pupillage applications, interviews, that sort of thing. Um, so if you have any thoughts, questions, feedback, anything like that, please don't hesitate to send it in to us. Um, now, Lisa, I believe you are going to be rolling our dice today for our dice game. That's the rumour I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, let's do it. Career highlight. Ooh. Ooh. Go on, Lisa. Uh, it's got to be setting up unit, I think. Um, sort of, of a bit left field, but it's still part of my career journey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could dedicate a number of episodes to telling you why um, that's my career highlight, but it is. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Good job. Um, well, thank you everyone for tuning in and we will see you next time. Just remember to subscribe, like, comment and leave a review. Bye. Thanks both. Thank you.